Well, well, well. As I've said it before, and as is the tagline of this podcast, medicine and medical information moves very fast. Now, on the one hand, it's exciting that the field of OBGYN isn't a static or a dead discipline. I mean, it's hard to keep up with so many things changing so quickly. That's exactly why we're doing this podcast. Well, nowhere else in the field of obstetrics is that more true than in the world of hypertension. Because in this podcast, we're going to summarize two recently released and published. I'm talking about on May 3rd, 2022, and we're taping this on May the 4th, 2022. By the way, happy early Cinco de Mayo. We're going to address bump one and bump two. And should we be telling patients to monitor their blood pressure at home? I mean, that obviously is a good idea, right? I mean, that's going to keep patients out of harm's way. Well, does it? Let's get into Bump 1 and Bump 2, just released in May 2022, right now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Before we get into this whole issue of Bump 1 and Bump 2 that just came out at the start of May 2022, let's put these studies into perspective, okay? Because really, back since 2016 up to now, there's been some pivotal information that's kind of changing the way that we address and talk about hypertension in pregnancy, whether that's chronic hypertension, gestational, or preeclampsia. One is the CHIPS trial. Remember that CHIPS was the control of hypertension in pregnancy study. That was all the way back in 2016 out of the journal Hypertension. Well, more recently in 2022 came the CHAP trial. That's the study that focused on chronic hypertension and pregnancy. So we have CHIPS, we have CHAP, and now we have BUMP1 and BUMP2. BUMP, like a pregnancy bump. That's pretty clever, right? I'm actually not sure why the study was called BUMP, B-U-M-P, 1 and 2, because that actually isn't a mnemonic at all for the title of the study. BUMP 1 was the blood pressure monitoring in high-risk pregnancy to improve the detection and monitoring of hypertension, and that was an RCT. BUMP 2 was a separate RCT published at the same time just yesterday on May the 3rd, 2022. But BUMP 2 was the effect of self-monitoring of blood pressure on blood pressure control in pregnant individuals with chronic or gestational hypertension. So let's be very clear, BUMP doesn't really stand for anything. I don't know, just easier to say BUMP 1 and BUMP 2, I guess. But both of these were published in JAMA Network, and BUMP 1 had to do with an RCT of checking blood pressures in women that were at high risk of developing hypertension, but who didn't have it at the start, while BUMP 2 was a separate RCT to monitor blood pressure on those who had chronic or gestational hypertension. All right, BUMP 1 and bump two. We're going to get into more specifics in a minute, but I just wanted to clear up what bump one and bump two actually are. Both RCTs, both published in the same journal on the same day, JAMA Open Network, on May the 3rd, 2022. All right, everyone, now that we've settled on the name, let's get into why this matters. Remember that elevated blood pressure is a significant source of maternal mortality, morbidity, and admissions to the hospital. 
elevated blood pressure is estimated to affect about 10% of pregnancies worldwide. And remember that ACOG, SMFM, March of Dimes, CDC, and the Commonwealth Fund all have the same text in their narrative, that the leading cause of pregnancy-related deaths are cardiovascular issues, including heart conditions from high blood pressure and stroke, causing more than one in three otherwise preventable deaths. So self-monitoring of blood pressure, that's obviously just them monitoring their blood pressure outside of a clinical setting, has become common, especially during the pandemic, as we did more telehealth visits and instructed patients on how to take their home blood pressures, with the idea being that we could intervene if something became worrisome. I don't think any of us would say that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, at least we're doing something, trying to be very conservative and keeping an eye on blood pressure, right? Well, the rebuttal to that is, look, taking a blood pressure, you got to know what you're doing. I mean, you got to know how to sit, if your legs are crossed or not crossed. You have to wait 30 minutes between caffeinated drinks or uh, after moderate exercise, or if you're walking up the stairs, don't take your blood pressure. So there are all these little caveats that can affect proper reads. Actually, back in 2016 and 2018, ACOG actually had that as part of its recommendation. ACOG had said back in the original task force for hypertension and pregnancy that management should include, quote, at least weekly home measurements in women with gestational hypertension. And its use was also suggested for women with chronic hypertension and those with poorly controlled blood pressure on medications. That first came out in 2013. Now, obviously, we've got a lot of work since that. But my point is, look, even ACOG said home blood pressure monitoring may be a good thing. But that was back in 2013. And we've got new data now. Well, I think we've set the stage pretty well now. Now let's get into bump one and bump two specifics and what these RCTs may mean for clinical practice. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the bump one RCT, pregnant patients at risk of preeclampsia who self-monitored their blood pressure did not see a significant difference in time to first diagnosis of clinical hypertension. This was compared to those who received standard care. Those who checked their blood pressure at home were diagnosed with clinical hypertension at a mean of 104 days into the study compared to 106 days. Yep. Not a big difference, and it didn't change any outcome at all. Bump 1 recruited nearly 2,500 pregnant patients at risk of developing preeclampsia at a mean of 20 weeks gestation. This happened from November 2018 to October of 2019. They underwent final follow-up in April of 2020. Individuals with pre-existing hypertension were excluded from the trial because, remember, this was looking at individuals at risk of developing high blood pressure, so anybody who already had it was not participating in this study. In the BUMP-2 trial, also in JAMA, patients who already had chronic hypertension who self-monitored blood pressure did not have any significantly different mean systolic blood pressure compared to those who received usual care. 
nor did patients with gestational hypertension assigned to self-monitoring have any difference in blood pressure compared to those who were only checked in office. Now, in both trials, there were no significant differences in rates of adverse events between those who self-monitored and those who received standard-of-care checking in the regular office. So that was actually surprising because we thought if we took a look more at home, we would find things early, but it really didn't make a difference at all. Well, now that we've covered bump one and bump two at a very high level, what are the take-homes here? Well, for those who are at risk of developing hypertension, having patients keep a close eye on it at home really didn't do anything, at least not clinically, except give the patient some stress. And for those who have chronic hypertension or gestational hypertension, having those checked blood pressure didn't really change outcomes either. Now, we do have to put the big caveat here is that this is not saying, of course, that home monitoring of blood pressure as part of telemedicine is is not valid. That's a different issue because in some parts of rural care, you know, telemedicine is still providing a good surrogate for in-person contacts. I mean, there's places even in our state, in Texas, I mean, there's just no physicians around. So again, this is not to say that telemedicine or blood pressure monitoring with direct contact with a provider through televisits is not valid. It's just saying that for blood pressure control, keeping a closer watch by them checking it at home may not be what we once thought it to be. All right. So again, probably not valid for blood pressure observation to look for problems, but probably still valid as part of a telemedicine protocol. You see what I mean? They're kind of similar yet different. Here's what most of the clinical commentaries for bump one and bump two, again, just within the last 24 hours, are basically agreeing upon. And that's that sometimes blood pressure checks at home may not even be valid because they should have proper training in order to take their blood pressure where it actually means something. Remember, there's a lot of caveats in, in how to take a blood pressure. I mean, you need to be trained to do that. You need to know how to sit, as we mentioned earlier. You need to know when to take it. You need to know where the cuff is and is the cuff even appropriate size. And so that's possibly one reason why closer observation may not really do anything because there's so many variables that go into it home blood pressure. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that those who take it in the clinic are any better, but at least you think it's more of a controlled environment. And at least you would think whether it's a PA, MD, RN, MA, or the list goes down the line that they've had some level of clinical training and they know how to get a blood pressure read. All right, podcast family, we've just summarized two recent level one evidence studies, two RCTs, bump one and bump two, just released within the last 24 hours in JAMA. We're here to keep everyone evidence-based and up-to-date on the changing world of OBGYN. As always, we're thankful for you and thanks for being part of our podcast family. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Mm-hmm.